Hey, Jeff. Yes, Cam. So I suppose since Alex isn't on the show this week, we don't have to be subjected to a poorly timed dad joke. How do you feel about that? Uh, that's excellent. Um, it's about time that the uh, podcast is going away from that. Um, but before we get into this baseball analytical podcast, um, something's on my mind, if you don't mind me sharing for a second, I, I did have something to express because uh, I'm in this situation with my son, and I don't know if you've ever experienced it with your spouse or a friend or whoever, but like people, you ever come up when people bring you an idea and you you want to be supportive and you want to be um, excited because they have this energy about it, but it, you just can't because it's a crappy idea or just a something you know is going to suck. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, trying to trying to let them down easy, maybe. Yeah, you know, like, for instance, my son is 11. He loves art. He's been into this art thing for a couple of years, and he's um, he's really good at it. He's he's far better of an artist than anything I could do. And he he has a problem with, like, erasers. Like, he can't find an eraser that he likes, so he gets frustrated and messes something up because he can't uh, erase it well. So he's, he's kind of run this invention by me where it is a – uh, it's basically a pencil, but it has two erasers on the end. And I, I want to be ex- excited about it, but I just don't see the point. You know, Jeff, I, I should have just recorded the show by myself this week. I swear. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast with your hosts, My name is Jeff, and the Big Chop Man. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Cam Matthews, this week without the uh, regular Alex Butler, but filling in for him is the master of Braves Twitter, the CFO of CA Co., Mr. Jeff Donahue. Jeff, how you doing, buddy? What? Shaking bacon. I love it. That was fantastic. Bravo, that pa- sir. That that pained me to do that, by the way. Oh, come on now. It's a great catchphrase. Well, I can't get anybody on this train except for Tyler, which is a shame. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Jeff, thank you, for, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, what are you drinking this afternoon? Well, first of all, Kim, thank you for having me back. Um, I'm glad to know that previous episodes have not banned me from being on this show. Um, past performances have not excluded me, so thanks for having me back. Um, this afternoon, I am uh, drinking a pour of Glenlivet 15. Uh, it's a uh, single malt scotch whiskey. Very nice. Very, very fancy, sir. I like it. And I Warm Sunday afternoon. It is 2:40 p.m. and you're already into the scotch. I like it. <laughs> well, I need I needed something a little bit harder since we're walking or watching and talking Braves. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, especially with how with how this season's going, it surely helps to have a little libations to help you get through. Absolutely. What about you? What you got in the glass? Well, in honor of our Braves starter today, Mr. Kyle Muller, with it being Muller time, uh, yes. I'm going with Mr. Baseball's favorite beer, Miller Lite. Swig of beer for the working man. Excellent. I like it. Uh, you you could be also wearing a It's Muller time t-shirt. 
That's right. So in case you haven't seen that on Twitter yet, uh, with the assistance of Mr. Donahue, we have crafted a It's Muller Time t-shirt in celebration of Kyle Muller. You can find that, of course, at teespring.com slash store slash chatting average podcast. Good uh, stuff. The chatting average lawyer uh, team, the attorney team for the podcast has been notified in case there is a uh, Miller Brewing Company cease and desist order. Honestly, if I ever received one of those, I would frame it and hang it on my wall to be oh, absolutely. totally on. Like as a graphic designer, th- those are those are the things that we dream of happening to us is getting a cease and desist. So uh, someday it's going to happen. It's like you're not trying hard enough if you're not getting caught. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, hey, now that we've talked about what we're drinking today, this is a good time to remind you that Chatting Average is brought to you by Sports Drink. Sports Drink, of course, is the home to multiple podcasts out there, including Friend of the Show, uh, Platinum Sombrero podcast hosted by Doc and Dylan. And part of Sports Drink wants to remind you to join us on Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is a live audio-only sports talk platform. It's free to download and to use. You can talk to fans, athletes, insiders of major sports all across the country. And as always, you can join Doc and Dylan on there as well. And who knows, Alex and I may turn up uh, every once in a while on Spotify Greenroom as well. So be sure to download Spotify Greenroom. It's a free app on the iOS and Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, join a group, and uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, Brought to you by Sports Drink. So, Jeff, it's been a little while since you've been on the show show with me. Uh, How's it been, buddy? It's been going well. if, if we're not talking about the Braves or being a Braves fan, everything else was going well. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Nothing no kidding. of major, nothing of major significance to uh, bring up to speed or update. Everything's just kind of status quo right now. Um, we are As watching life the Braves. starts to get back to normal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's a good thing, man. We've had some friends come in town. You know, back to restaurants that are fully open, and and uh, it been to a golf tournament where everything was like it used to be. So. It, uh, it's starting to feel like normal again. Very cool. Very cool. And so, uh, so you were, before we got onto the show, you mentioned that, uh, and I believe it's been hinted at on the show before when you've been on that you live in a bit of an older house, a, a historic home, as you will, the, uh, the Donahue Manor. And, uh, as with older houses, they all have a little bit of character. Mm-hmm. I gotta know. What is the like the one little feature of your house where it does maybe show its age or the era it was built in that you just can't have the heart to actually change? Uh, the windows, absolutely okay. the windows. The uh, the the first part of the house, like the the front of the home that you see in pictures, the house goes back and then changes direction. So if you look at it just originally, it looks like a very small home, but it's actually it's it's been added on and and kind of piecemealed so it's a lot larger but the front to original the 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 historic part of the home has the original windows in it from 1839 and so they're single pane um they are drafty you can hear everything outside you can sometimes (laughs) feel the wind come through um so it's it's one of those things where those specific six windows we aren't changing at least now because of the um you know to to maintain the integrity of the historic home the rest of the right. home has the you know typical double pane you know has the gas windows or whatever to to prevent drafty whatever but those specifically those six windows um it probably drives up our electric bill uh, i would i would say at least 10 percent more than normal windows would probably more right right i can see that i can see that very cool so how long how long have you lived in that house 
Well, the the history in the home it was built in 1839 by my fourth great grandfather, and oh, cool. all, okay. only members of our family have ever lived in it, which is um, kind of a, a rarity for historic homes nowadays because you have a lot of transplants, people move houses, a lot of old homes got burned down because the kitchen used to be uh, the the main source. This, this house, what is now our master bedroom, used to be the kitchen. Uh, oh wow, okay, which is which is really cool. So it was a separate building from the home and now it's been a join the home through uh, various additions and hallways and other rooms and whatnot but um the home was built in 1839 and then i think we are the ninth generation of our family to live in it it's actually not the donahues it's my grandmother's side my my uh um, grandma's side of the family the collins that uh have lived here so that's what the street we live on is collins avenue this is called the collins house um so i've lived in it um I've lived in it since June of 16, I believe. Um, the way it's the way it's kind of worked is it's been handed down through the family, either through, uh, you know, receiving it through, you know, someone passing away ahead of them or selling it to, you know, a, a cousin or someone down the line. My dad purchased it in uh, 2000 from his cousin and his parents. With uh, my my great aunt and uncle, were the last people to live here, they passed away in. Uh, 99 i believe maybe 2000 and so my dad's owned it since then he never lived in it he just kind of had it for storage and just to maintain the ownership through the family and um he approached me in uh first part of 2016 and he's like why are you paying a mortgage on a house when i have this and you can right. live here so i sold the house that i lived in and and then um i lived here i rented it from him for a while and then nikki and i bought it from him uh, in December of this past year. So we've, we, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, we own it, but, um, it's a great home. It's just one of those things where it's, it's great until something breaks because it's typically going to cost you a lot more than a normal one would. And since it's on the, uh, historic register, we have to maintain a certain level of repair to it. So if it's, you know, you can't just go to Home Depot and buy a certain brick or siding or something like that, you have to maintain right. what the standards say. So, as long as everything's running smooth, it's great. But when something breaks, it gets expensive. Very cool. Very cool. It certainly sounds like a a good house to sit out on the front porch with a good drink and a good cigar. Oh, yeah. Uh, it as, is. as I know you tend to do. Yeah, there's uh, there's rocking chairs and a table right there on the front porch for that sole purpose. Fantastic. Well, uh, I hope one of those chairs has my name on it whenever I do make my way back down to the greater Atlanta area sometime, hopefully, in the will. near future. You may have to fight our buddy Jonathan Howard for it. He's claimed pretty much one of those for himself. Uh, but um, I don't know if I want to do that. John Howard's in good shape. Uh, he's in much better shape than I am. I hope it's not a foot race for the chair because you probably will lose. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, the man gets up early and runs every morning before he goes and saves the world with through Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Yeah, I only run if I'm being chased. Yeah, yeah. And I, I never I never plan to be faster than what I'm being chased by. I just plan to be faster than whoever I'm running against. Just be so, faster than the slowest person and you'll be fine. <laughs> that's it. That's it, man. Yeah, I've always said that if, if you see me running, you probably should start running, too, because there's a there's good reason that I'm 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 dogging it down the road. Yeah, so, something's uh, wrong. if You see me running. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Hey, what have you ever been chased by something like legitimately been chased by something you had to get away from? Not that I can remember. Um, I mean, nothing like in a fearful state, like a dog or a bear or nothing. I mean, I, I don't, I don't recall. You, have you? That was, that was I pre- have. That was a pretty specific question, so I assume you have an answer for it. I, I have. Let, let me let me throw this story on you. Okay, so um, the house that I grew up in, which is actually 
So funny enough that you mentioned that the road you live on is named after your family members, because mine is too. My the road that I live on is actually named after my great grandfather, which is cool stuff, and it's all it's all family that lives right around here. Well, anyway, the house that I grew up in, my dad's house, is like two doors up from the house I currently live in. And so, uh, growing up, my dad has this big big shop out behind his house where you know he keeps one of his classic cars, he keeps his lawnmower, all his power tools and everything. You know, they're all out there, and uh, it was. I was maybe in middle school. It was a late one summer evening. I was going to go out, get the lawnmower, go cut grass, right? He's got these big metal garage roll-up doors. They're not attached to any kind of motor, so you have to manually go over and, you know, pull them up to, to get them up. And so I go into the shop, grab the garage door, I fling it up, and I feel something hit my shoulder and then roll off. I look down and there's about a four foot long black snake sitting on the ground next to me. Nope. It had been laying in one of the ridges on the garage door, landed on my shoulder, went to the ground, and it proceeded to chase me out <laughs> of the shop. I kid you not, it was like two feet behind me for about 50 yards as I ran through the yard. And my did dad it, thought it was the greatest thing he's ever seen. Did it come close to catching you? Oh boy, did it. And then finally it kind of just like gave up and stopped. And then took off into like the bushes, but dude, I I, I thought I was a goner. I know they're yeah. not venomous, but I thought I thought that was it. There's not many things that I dislike in this world, but snakes are certainly one of them. And you know, you have all those people that are like, oh, it's not a poisonous snake, or it's good for rodents. I'm like, man, I don't care. Like, I'm not going to necessarily try to kill it, but yeah, I'm not gonna hang out with it. Like, I'm 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 going. I'm in opposite direction. Like that's <laughs> yeah, that's one of the situations. You see me running, there's probably a snake or a fire because yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't, you know, oh, it's a garden snake. Yeah. No, no, uh -uh. it's, nope. it's not something that I'm going to be interacting with. Um, yeah, I don't care. I, I just, I'm not a snake fan. Uh, if you like snakes, that's great, but I don't, and I'm, I'm going to stay far away from them. So yeah, I feel you on that. I would have been running probably, um, you know, like the cartoons where you see him running across the water, like that's, yeah. that's what, yeah. that's what I would be doing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, snakes uh, slide on their belly. It ain't natural. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't like it. I don't trust things without arms and legs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, so I know we're in the midst of baseball season. We were talking before the show about, you know, how with life kind of getting back to normal, you might miss a game here or there on, on TV. But what else have you been up to? Uh, I know you said, you know, been out to a few restaurants, have been to a golf tournament. But uh, but I guess especially now with, with summer in full swing, and I assume your son's out of school, uh, Any any plans for the rest of the summer? Uh, well, we just got back from vacation. Uh, nice. we do, we do. Well, a, what uh, Island did you visit? <laughs> well, Isle of Palm. <laughs> oh, <right>. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh, for those of you that aren't aware of it's just right off of Charleston. It's one of the barrier islands there. And, um, we, uh, my wife's side of the family is, is quite large and we not in, not in physical stature and members of the family. Um, we, uh, there's a lot of she has a lot of brothers and sisters and they're all married except for one. So we typically take this large family vacation, usually around Memorial Day. And so we went to, and we, we try to go to different places, be it Destin. Sometimes we'll go to the mountains. Sometimes we'll go to you know beach trips. So we decided to go to uh, Isle of Palm and we did went out there and had a house that was reserved for us. And it was a fantastic trip. And um, I, for some reason, have never put my work email on uh away or like do not disturb so this is yeah, the yeah. first trip that i decided that i'm going to do that and i checked in with my boss he's like that's fine if we need you if it's an emergency i have your phone number and um it was the most amazing thing and i will probably never take a vacation without it again 
because I didn't yeah. have the phone. I um I had actually uh, I don't have a lot of notifications on my phone anyway. You know, like social media stuff, I don't see it unless I check it. But right. I um I backed out of group chats. I grabbed, uh, I backed out of work emails. I backed out of everything that would take my distraction away from the family and the beach. And for that week, it was phenomenal because I I only checked my phone for like weather or you know just to see anything that I I only reached for it when I wanted to, and it was fantastic. So um, I didn't have those. Uh, you know, I didn't I didn't feel the need to have my phone with me or have it right there by my side. And that was fantastic. So I would encourage people to do that. If you don't already do it, man, try it because it it is, it's a nice way to disconnect and just kind of unplug for a week. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, uh, funny enough about the whole work email on vacation thing. One thing that I read about, gosh, it's maybe been a year or two ago now that some companies were, or starting to do is that when you go on vacation, rather then then well they'll have you set up your auto reply that you know i'm on vacation yada 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 but they'll also have you put in the caveat to your auto reply email that this email will be deleted by another staff person as to not overbear such and such when they come back from vacation please wait until x date to mm-hmm. reattempt your your contact so basically somebody like at your work would just delete your emails as they come in while you're on vacation so that way you're not coming back to you know couple hundred emails that you've got to get caught up on because then at that point what was the point of your vacation right you just have extra extra work to come back to i'm fortunate in my position i don't have an overbearing amount of emails i mean it's it's certainly not the the heaviest portion of my job like i i do get emails but they're not it's not one of those things that require a lot of my attention or i have to have immediate responses to so when i got back there there was not a whole lot waiting on me which was nice but the the ones that were there you know, I, they already knew I was going to be gone. So it wasn't this big deal. But, um, and another thing that I have been doing the last couple of years, which I'm sure most people do, it's not like a groundbreaking thing, but we've started scheduling vacations to where we come back on Saturday. And so we have that yes. Sunday as a pad day. So it's not like you come back from uh, a great vacation and you get in on Saturday or Sunday evening at six o'clock. And then all of a sudden you got to do laundry and get everything yep. ready for the next day and all this kind of stuff. So that, that pad day of Sunday is fantastic because you can just kind of leisurely do all the stuff that you need to do to get ready for work on, on Monday. So, um, that's, that's something I, I think I'll carry on for every vacation from here on out is doing the away email and, and make sure you have a pad day put in there. Yeah. Coming back on Saturday is a game changer once you start doing it. Um, My wife and I, we've done that with our past couple of vacations. I tell you another good one, too. If you're not necessarily like sold on flinging for like the full week vacation, leaving on like a Tuesday night or a Wednesday morning, put a couple of days in at, you know, at work and then take the rest of the week off and come back on Saturday as kind of like a quick trip. Yeah, that's great, too. We did that back in October. We took a a quick little trip to the mountains, but we didn't leave until Wednesday morning, came back Saturday evening. So, you know, we still were able to like make sure we had everything settled for work that we need to. We missed, you know, three days. But then of course you come back Saturday evening, you still have Sunday to get ready to go back on Monday. Like perfect little vacation. Good stuff. Yeah. That's what we do. If we go to the mountains, we usually take, it's like a four day trip. You know, we don't do yeah. a full week, but if we go to the beach, obviously we want a week cause there's things to do there other than just the beach. But if it's a, if it's a quick trip up to Asheville or somewhere in the mountains, like, yeah, a four day, I think is all you need. And you still, you know, you, you have the ability to get all the work done that you need and you kind of can leave it there and not have to worry about, you know, what's waiting for you when you get back. Or, you know, did you, did you spend too long, you know, away from work that it's going to not, it's basically going to nullify the vacation feel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so 
uh, when you guys go down to the beach, is there any any like traditions or anything like specific you've got to do while you're down at the beach or, or whatever beach you may be at? Uh, nothing, you know, nothing that we absolutely have to do every year. Typically, um, of the the four brother brothers, is it brothers in law or brother in laws. I'm not, I think it's brothers in law. Something um, like that. Uh, we usually get together and you know line up our uh, our spirits menu for the week. You know our beverages that we want to take and bring and all that kind of stuff. But um, it's it's going to be you know one night's going to be a seafood or one night's going to be like a low country boil or something like that. But yeah. Um, but we, nothing in the way of we have to do this every single year kind of thing. We 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 typically kind of just let the week unfold as it is. Sometimes depending on where we are and and what there is to do around the build uh, or the beach or the or wherever we are, um, it will dictate what we're going to do. So sometimes it just changes depending depending on where we are. Right. Right. I've I've learned over the past you know few years, especially now that I'm married and I have you know in-laws and things of you know things like that that you know going on trips with them especially now that like we all have kids those are honestly a blast Mm -hmm. like big family trip you know growing up it was it was okay but you know especially I was one of the younger cousins in the family always growing up so it seemed like all the older ones especially once they got to drinking age you know I more or less got left behind or, or whatever so but now that you know we're all married and we have kids especially like once the kids go to bed at night like hanging out on the porch, you know, down at the beach and, you know, just having a good time with each other. Those trips are honestly a blast. Like I love those trips now. Yeah. I'm the same way. I mean, obviously I'm, you know, older now, so there's not a lot of clubbing and bars and stuff that happens on vacation. Right. Like it used to be. So now it's more or less like, like kind of what you said, we're going to put the, put the kids to bed and we're going to sit on the, the patio and have a beverage or, you know, maybe, somebody stays home with the kids just in case something happens and the rest of us will maybe walk on the beach at night or something like that. It's more of a, it's more of an actual like respite. It's not this, let's go out and get crazy. Let's go out and rage or let's go out and do this stuff till, you know, early in the morning. It's more of actual relaxed time. Like it's, it's, you you build in that time to kind of recoup and, and, and get away from the hustle and bustle. So I'm, I like those vacations far more than, you know, ones where you, you go on the golfing trip with your buddies and you spend all day golfing and then you go out and do something at night and then, you know, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're exhausted the next night, kind of thing. I do like this every now and again, but for a vacation, especially the family, I want the I want the chill vibe to it. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, did you grow up going to the beach a lot, like with your folks as, as a kid? Or yes, we uh, we went to Fort Walton Beach. There was a place down there that uh, we didn't own it, but a friend of my dad's did, and so we got to go there every year. And then we would usually try to slide a Disney trip in every year when I was a kid. I didn't realize until I got older that going to Disneyland every year or Disney World, whichever one's in Florida, I always get this yeah. confused, um, that that was not a normal thing. You know, that like we, we used to go every year. And so that I was have never hard. been. Yeah. Now I now it sounds miserable. Like I don't want to go and, you know, spend forty two million dollars and stand for, <laughs> you know, in, in three hours to, to ride one ride. As a kid, you don't think about that stuff. But um yeah, that we used to go to Fort Walton Beach a lot. Um, honestly, Georgia has some of the the greatest places, man. Like Savannah's a great trip. Uh, Tybee Island, Sea Island, St. Simons. Like the Georgia Islands are some of the best relaxing vacations you're gonna find. Amelia Island down in Florida. Um, you don't really have to go a long way, so um, you can you can stay fairly, you know, five six hours from home, and you don't have to necessarily drive to, you know, Pensacola or Panama City or Destin or some of these. Right. You know, but, um, and like we went to Charleston, you know, Isle of, Isle of Palms was, it was a five hour and 20 minute trip for us. Um, so it wasn't okay. terrible. It wasn't, and we had, we had family in Columbia that we stopped and saw. 
Um, so what well, to break up the trip, but but when I was a kid growing up, we did go to the beach a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, very cool. I guess I get hearing you talk about like five and a half, you know, hour trips. I, I feel kind of spoiled because a, quite a few of our beaches here in North Carolina, I can be at in less than three hours. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I think Carol, I think Carolina Beach, I could legit walk out my front door and be there in two and a half hours. Yeah, that's that's a nice thing. And, and you know, North Carolina and Georgia are kind of the same. You have mountains and beach within a few hours of each other. So I mean, yes. we really are in a great spot because whichever route you choose to go with your vacation, like you don't have to necessarily go a long way away. Um, but yeah, I'm the same way. When people talk about Braves games, like, oh, I live in Birmingham, bro. I live like, you know, like you do, like far away in North Carolina. Like, yeah, I'm eight, I'm 18 minutes from Truist Park. So if <laughs> I want to go to the game, I don't have to make a plan to go. I just go, you know. Right. Oh, yeah. Like like for my wife and I to go to a Braves game, it is a full weekend plan several weeks ahead kind of affair with us being, you know, over six hours away. That uh, And oftentimes, you know, what, how we've done it now, especially um, if it's like a Saturday day game or something like that. Oh, Austin Riley. There he goes. Somewhere, uh, somewhere Alex is losing his mind right now, or maybe he's not even watching the game. He's probably drunk somewhere on vacation. I hope, I hope he's in Denver or Fort Collins drinking a beer somewhere and not worrying about this. Let's see. Uh, yeah, it's noon. It's noon out, out, in, out in Denver. Or it's past 12 o'clock. He's good to go, which he's, he's on vacation. There's no time on vacation anyway. It's beer 30. A- amen to that. Miller time, brother. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, a six and a half hour trip down to Atlanta, that, that's usually a full weekend affair for us, which we've made the we've made the drive down like we've gotten off work early on Fridays before and made the drive down. So that way we wake we wake up Saturday um, at in Atlanta. But, yeah, with the beach being so close for us, it, it's cool for us to be able every once in a while we'll take like a Friday off and mm-hmm. then just drive down to the beach, you know, leave the house around seven o'clock or so, get down there by 10 o'clock hang out on the beach until four hit a drive through on the way home and then be back at our house by eight o'clock at night. And like literally just have spent the whole day at the beach. Yeah. That's a cool day trip. If you have that ability to do that, I'm, and you know, like essentially you coming to Braves game is like us going to the beach. We're going to spend at least one or two or three nights there. Cause that's a five hour drive for us. So, right. Right. Um, and I've got friends that come into town and they're like, every time they're here, like Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Braves games. And I'm like, I, I'm not going to three Braves games in a row. I'm sorry. Like that's, that's, that's just like a normal thing for, you know, us that live here and, you know, near the, near the, the Braves, like I'm going to go to a game here and there, but I'm not going to three back-to-back games. I'm like, sorry. It's just, especially the way they're playing right now. I absolutely am not wasting that much time and money to do that. But um, yeah, it's funny. Cause people are like, Oh man, if I live where you live, I'd be at the stadium every day. And I was like, no, you wouldn't. No, no, like, yeah. you're, not, you're not going. Some people, yeah, some people there are, and we can identify them easily, probably on Braves Twitter, but they probably would go to the games every single day. I'm not yeah, there's about, a few. I'm not talking about Jonathan Howard. We understand he goes to 400 games a year. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, there, there are people like, man, I would just go to Braves games every day. And I was like, it's it's not – no, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not I'm not spending the effort and the money to go to a game every single night. Like, it's – it's uh, if you live here, it's a little different because it's, it's not a treat to go every single night, you know? Right. Well, I mean – yeah, I, I I could see that, and especially you know for me, most years I'm able to come down to maybe one game a season. Now, I, obviously, I didn't get to go to one last year, and I'm not sure I'm, I'm even going to make it down this season since we're in the whole house building process currently. So that's, you know, that's taking up a lot of our extra time. But have you, you know, been that, since the uh, have you been since the bachelor party trip? 
yes, the last game I went to was in May of 2019. It was a weekend series against the Rockies, where AJ Minter blew it in the ninth inning against Colorado. Oh, I, uh, I was at that game. That was the Braves social media night. I don't know if you knew that, but that was uh, there was a bunch of us there. That's what they gave up like four runs in the ninth or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Charlie Blackman yeah. like did us in that night or something. I remember. Um, yeah, there was a yep. whole bunch of people there that night. That was a that was a brave social media night. It was a bobblehead night. It was something else. I think the Rockies and Braves were kind of like in a I can't remember if they're in a fight for anything or not. But there was like four things going on that night. And it was so crazy. Um, I think the last game I went to was in September. And, and Fulte started that game, right? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd had I'd had a few. There was a rain delay. And I think we were we were uh, all drinking our beer or, or you know drinking away the rain delay with beer but um i think in the last game i went to was in september of 19 and then nikki and i went to one of the watch parties last year during the postseason that they had uh, they had down at the park uh, in fact oh, yeah. mr and mrs rakes were with us we sat there together with them and hung out um so the last time i've been to the park was last year but i haven't actually been to a game since uh since the fall of 19 very cool very cool man yeah um Let's see. Yeah, they had they had Chop Fest in 2020. That's the last time I was actually at the park. We went we went to Chop Fest. I stopped um, one of those because it rains and it's like 38 degrees every time they have those things. So I I haven't been to one of those in a long time. Yeah, uh, the first year we went in 19, it it rained like all day and it was miserable. And then in 20, it was just ridiculously cold outside. <laughs> yeah, like unbearably cold. Well, it's one of those things too. Like the you know I'm the the older I get, the more, or I should say, the less extrovert I am. And so, like, yeah. I want to go, you know, because all those things are essentially for people, you know, to kind of see each other and be like, hey, what's up? And there's, like, this awkward, you know, hey, I'm I'm Braves Dave 37426. And you're like, oh, hey, what's up, man? And, like, then you just right. kind of like, ha-ha. And, you know, and then it's like it, you do that 37 times in an hour. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. So um, it's kind of become one of those things where I avoid those solely for those reasons. Um, yeah. Plus, there's nothing in Truist Park that I haven't seen, so there's not like I'm going to see anything for the first time. It's not like I'm going to hear Anthopolis address the new season, you know, potential and anything different than his than his GM speak. So, I, right. those, those things just aren't for me anymore. Yeah, I, I think after having gone to it a couple of times, unless they like were absolutely going to do something new and groundbreaking, you know, or something, yeah. I I don't know if I would feel the appeal to go. Um, like it'd be it, cool to meet, it'd be cool to meet people. Cause there are so many people. In fact, I think there's maybe one person across Braves Twitter that I've actually met in person and he's actually not on Braves Twitter anymore. So I don't know if that counts, but, uh, I mean, there's a few folks I'd like to meet. And fortunately, most of you don't know what I look like. And I mean that in the nicest way. So <laughs> I'm not going to acknowledge that. Cause I think you're a handsome man. I, uh, in oh, fact, I, I believe, I believe you actually rated on Josh Brown's top podcasters. So, um, I, yeah, that's, yeah, that's something to hang your hat on. I uh, I think that Chop Fest is great. Don't get me wrong; it, I'm not hating on it. It's great for people that are out of towners that want to come in and see the park, want to come in and do some things that they normally wouldn't get to do during a game. It's great for uh, people that love autographs. If you know, yes, seek that kind of stuff. It's fantastic. It's it's not a bad event. It's just not. I mean, like I said, I live I live 18 minutes from the ballpark. I can do all that stuff, you know, anytime I want to. So. Um, for me, it's not that great, but it, it is a good event. It's cool to kick off the season. I just wish it wasn't in January when it's, you know, a, a, a rainstorm, you know, outside. It's, it seems like it always rains. It's always cold. I know you can't do it any later because then spring training starts. But um, Right. I, yeah, because they, they usually head down to Florida like two weeks later. So, right. 
Yeah, right. there's not a great time to do it. I've met a lot of people off of Braves Twitter. Um, so it's, and I'm not saying that I'm opposed to that anymore, but, uh, you know, 2015 or 16, absolutely, man, I'm all about it. 2021, eh, you know. It's, yeah. It's, eh. And I, I noticed a couple of more, like, parody accounts starting to pop up which is is honestly kind of funny so um i don't know if you've heard of spencer strider he's some young and upcoming pitcher in the braves farm system but apparently he has a really good mustache and so the other day i was followed by an account called spencer stash which was interesting and i and i say that as big chop man another quote-unquote parody account yeah, well, you know, you, you and I think Rakes both have kind of become the human versions of, you know, you're no longer really kind of parody accounts in our in our mind. I think you're, you know, you kind of become, I still call Alex Rakes, but I mean, he's, he's yeah. Alex to me now. He's not like Alex, Riley's Rakes, you know. Um, right. Yeah, I, I don't really acknowledge a lot of the parody accounts. I think the only two that I even, well, I say two, there's a couple, Brave Swear Jar, which is kind of like you guys, he's, he's himself now, he's not. You know, right, right. Um, fake Dan Ugla. Uh, he, you know, back in the day, that was awesome because you, he was like one of the first ones I remember. Um, obviously, Ron Swashington is one of the uh, one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't follow. Jay Dunn is a great a parody parody account. You know. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. Imagine if that was a real account. Jeez. Oh who'd, gosh. Who'd be friends with that guy? Who who um, would actually act like that? My goodness. But I don't I don't follow a lot of people anyway, simply because I like to keep my timeline clean and and some of the ones I follow anyway are muted. But um, I uh, I'm not going to follow Spencer Strider's mustache. I'm not going to follow <laughs> you know Ozzy Albie's helmet. I'm not going to follow that stuff. I don't care. I'm not going to see. Yeah. I, like there's nothing that's going to come out of those accounts that are worthy of me following. You know. And I'm sorry if you run one of those accounts and you're listening. Um, but I just. Uh, that's just not for me. Um, it has to have some type of extreme comedic, you know, like the Ron Washington accounts, freaking hilarious. Yes, we know that's not Ron Washington tweeting from the third base box, just like Young fake, Dan, right? Like fake Dan <laughs> Uglo. We know that's not Dan. You know, like it, it, it's when they when they kind of when, when you get to that point, they're funny. But a lot of them, I think, jump the shark immediately. Like I don't need to see, you know, Freddie Freeman's tongue or stuff like that. So right, right. And used to, used to, you could gauge how well the Braves were doing by the number of parody accounts that came out. Here lately, it's like you don't really see that many because, you know, they're they're obviously not doing that well. But um, used to, you would you would know, okay, man, the Braves are really hit on all cylinders because I'm starting to see like Max Fried's blister or something stupid. Yeah, right. Know? So okay, so Jeff, you're you're well well rounded in, in, in Braves Twitter. Like you're you're one of those anchor points, I, I would say. I think I think that's fair to say. And you've been around for a while on there. Mm-hmm. What was the peak moment of Braves Twitter in your mind? Oh gosh. Uh man, you're putting me on the spot there. You you see a lot of stuff uh tweeted from some of us people. I've in fact next month will be my ten year on Twitter. So I've been around for a while. Holy I've, cow. Yeah, there's some that have been around a lot longer than that. But um, you, you, you'll see a lot of the old heads talk about like the 2013, 2014 era on Braves Twitter and, and how great it was. And I don't know if it was specifically for one reason or another, but it was, there was, first off, there was a lot less people. I mean, there, it, like Braves Twitter is so convoluted with people now that have come over from Facebook or Reddit or all these other mediums. And, and they've just, all got a dang podcast. <laughs> okay. Those, <laughs> those guys, geez. Golly. Yeah. Come on now. Um, but what they do have, honestly, is an opinion, and it's like they always want to 
say it. And, and that wasn't necessarily the case back in those days. So when you when you hear people talk about 2013-14 Braves Twitter, it was fun be, for numerous reasons, but because it was smaller, we were much more a community, I think, of like-minded people that we we didn't fight internally. We fought with other fan bases. We were always on the Phillies case or always, you know, getting to right. fans and, and we all kind of had each other's backs. And then somewhere along the line, man, I don't know, not a definitive point, but I would guess sometime around, I don't know, 16 or 17, it just seemed to have this this shift to where it was. You know, I don't know if it was when the you know the analytical side came in and all these people came in and that you know oh we need to talk about baseball in this aspect or da da da, da but like it just changed to where it wasn't as much fun. It's it's nowhere near as much fun now as it was you know in those days. And so one specific instance, I I can't recall one that it sticks out to me more so than another that makes me go man that was the greatest day in Braves Twitter history. Um, but it was, I think just for me personally, it's an overall feeling of how fun it was back then. It was where you would enjoy getting on Twitter and tweeting out stuff and the interactions were great. And now it's like, man, if I tweet something, you know, some, you know, jackass is going to come into my mentions and be like, boo, boo, boo. You know, and it's like, there's, there's more tweets that I delete than I actually yeah. tweet now because I'm like, I have the forethought of, okay, if I tweet this, you know, you know, like Braves fan 412 is going to come into my mentions and be like, dur, 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 and I'm like, I don't want to deal with it. Like, I don't, I have no desire to get into any tweet argument with anybody about stuff, much less something if they can't understand that there's hyperbole there or whatever. But, and that stuff didn't exist back in those days. Like, you know, we kind of knew each other a little more closely, I think, than we do now. And, um, and it was just more fun. So one specific moment, there probably is one that I can't think of that was just like, holy crap, this is the crowning achievement of Braves Twitter. Um, I don't know what it is right off the hand. I'd have to think of it probably a little more than than being put on the spot about it. But it was for me, it was just the time frame. It was just it was a more uh, more close knit group back then. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I I can agree that I, I have been on I've been on Braves Twitter nowhere near as long as a lot of you guys have. I think I created my account in was it 19 yeah it was like right it was opening day of 2019 so literally my account's just barely two years old at this point god it seems but like i've been under longer than that though i've made my mark daddy um <laughs> i know i think it, but i think i'm at the point too where like especially if you look up and down my my profile now i'm at the point where i go like a day or two without even tweeting I, I I definitely don't get on as often as I used to just because there's always, you know, just kind of something, you know, going on. Now, if something like major happens with the Braves for the good, typically, you know, which has been few and far between this season, um, I'll, I'll get I'll get on there and, you know, and join the join the fun and celebration. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's it's fun when things are good, but Gosh, if anything starts to go wrong, people can just be unbearable on there. Well, and that's that's how it used to be, I think, for the most part. But it was the the problem, I think now, or let's just say the difference, because I don't know if it's a problem. The difference now is you you can tweet something, and I think because there was less people and we kind of knew each other more closely, you could tweet something and someone would be like, okay, I know Jeff is being sarcastic, or I know Jeff is right. I know Jeff is tweeting some some BS. You know, he's just tweeting. Now there's like there's no nuances in anything. So if if you tweet something, someone sees it and just comes in immediately that you that you don't even know or you've never seen before, and you're like, how did they even see the tweet? Like they don't follow me. 
and they want to have a, a comment or they try to own you or there has to be like this one up thing and that didn't exist back then it's it's, it's and it's right it's very it's very prevalent now and people are like uh, you know they, they want to get the upper hand or they want to have the the aha moment of like i owned you and like that that didn't exist back then in 2013 2014 like we we focused our energy back then on like doing that to other fan bases not even not internally right. by each other you know so I don't, I don't know i mentioned earlier i don't know if that is because if there's this you know there's this analytical twitter there's this old school twitter there's this old person twitter you know like there's it's become what i call facebook 2.0 where it's right you know, people people have kind of bled over from these other mediums and uh, or other platforms, and they bring that energy from those platforms, which is not really the thing. Like Twitter was kind of its own thing back then. Twitter was this place that you kind of knew going into that, okay, I'm going to act this way on Twitter because that's how it is. You know, you see it all the time. Like I do this for the gram, I do this for Twitter, and I do this for yeah, Facebook. Yeah. Um, and and I think people have melded that together. So it's kind of it's just this one like shit pot of things, and um, <laughs> it uh it's just not as fun anymore. And then like, you, you can't really have a personality because someone wants to try to uh, combat it or, you know, like the other day when, um, and I don't, I'm not going to touch on this unless you want to, but when, when, um, when uh, Chip Carey said that Hendrix was the first player to ever have the X in the last of his name, you know, <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I tweeted out that the Atlanta Braves, the first franchise to ever have their name end in S and um, at the time, I didn't think about it that a very small faction of Twitter would you know, mainly Braves fans would probably get that because they heard it on the broadcast, or they may right. have seen it when the national, uh, I think MLB errors picked it up and tweeted about it. So I didn't think about the very small percentage of people actually knew what I was talking about. And so I've been getting a lot of people responding, going, "What about the Mets? What about the Reds? Right, what right, about right, the right. Orioles?" And I'm like, you know. It's not worth, like, yeah, it's not even worth my time. Like, I, first off, I don't know who these people are. So B, it's not my, or it's not my, it's not my priority to try to own them or be like, you suck. Boo. I'm just kind of like, here's the tweet I was referencing, you know, like, here's, here's what I was trying to say. And like, it kind of defeats the purpose of tweeting out something, what you think is funny because people come in here and they're like, burr, 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 burr. And, you know, so like that has changed the way I think I've approached tweeting because it's not as it's not as easy because you have to do a crap like that. And it's just like, eh, it's no fun. Yeah. Well, like last year at the trade deadline, uh, you know, I made a lot of jokes about bringing Kevin Gosman back. Mm-hmm. Um, like I made a lot, but I had several people, you know, jump on me talking about how horrible of an idea is it was and blah, blah, blah. Not realizing how facetious I was actually being with that. But now with the season, Yes, but now with the season that he's having this year, I kind of want to jump on the uh, Kevin Gosman train again and say, I told you guys. Oh, man, yeah, and there's no way to predict that. But, yeah, it absolutely sucks. I'm like, this guy sucked for us, like sucked. And yeah. and now he's he's raking, or you know, he's, he's, he's shoving, I should say, for pitcher. But um, that that's the thing is, like, nowadays on social media, and I, and it's just part of the game. I think you have to understand that if you put something out there, you're opening yourself up for all the responses um, they're going to come your way. And I think what really shows kind of if you've grown up or not is if has how you handle that. Like um, it to me, I don't want to spend the mental bandwidth to sit there and, and discuss why I put a tweet up there with someone if they have a different opinion from me. Uh, right. Sometimes I may go, sometimes I may go, yeah, I just, I, 
I think this. And they're like, oh, well, he has X war and F whip and Austin. I'm like, I don't care. I, I literally don't care. Like, that I don't know change. what that means. And yeah. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't change my opinion. Like, I just don't care for the person or the player or whatever. Um, so like there's, there's, there's an ability that I've somehow been able to have in the last couple of years where I'm like, if I don't see a tweet or if I see a tweet that I don't agree with, uh, I can just scroll by it. Like every now and again, right. I engage, but like, I don't have to comment on it. I don't have to engage with that person. I can let them have their opinion, no matter how shitty it is or how dumb it is or how different right, it is from right. mine. I don't have to let them know my opinion. I may sometimes, uh, you know, and I've done it a lot in the past, but I think that's one thing that I've done uh, to make it a little better experience for me is like, if someone jumps in my mentions and they're, they're kind of being catty or they're, uh, you know, being, being an ass, like I don't have to engage with them. I just let it go. It's, it's social media, man. It's not real. Uh, no, exactly. And, and you know, a lot of people just take themselves way too seriously on there. Um, uh, in fact, uh, thinking back to the first time you were on the show, the whole 2013 Braves thing with me, <laughs> like that genuine, was infamy. <laughs> yes, and, and, and you know, and it's genuinely one of my favorite cracks for people to take at me. Um, and, and and oftentimes, you know, nine times out of ten, somebody that throws that at me is in on the joke too and knows sure. that like I'm going to take it well. But I, I have had a couple of people like try to throw it at me as like you know I don't know what I'm talking about or whatever. Like, but you know. Going off of that, just the other day, I think it was Freddie Stubble uh, retweeted another good parody account who has become his own person on, on Twitter. You know, I can't I even think, keep. I, I can't keep him. I can't keep him. Ozzy's chains, Freddie Stubble. I can't keep them all <laughs> together. I don't. I don't follow hardly any of them, so I don't. I only see their stuff if it's retweeted. But I, it's hard to keep them. Keep them. You know, keep them in line with who's who. Right. Well, he he retweeted something where somebody had made the comment that. I think like either 2019 or 2020, they were saying was like the peak season of the Braves for me. You know, I've never had more fun watching them, blah, blah, blah. And he retweeted it and said, unless you're at Chop NC 93, then it's 2013. <laughs> and so I immediately replied to that and I was like, Stubble, you don't understand. We had two Uptons in the outfield. It was great. Like, Upton here, Upton here. That's right. That's right. And then he brought up the uh, Sports Illustrated cover with Kate Upton and it was fantastic. Like, you know, you gotta you gotta learn to laugh at yourself. I I'm the last person to take myself seriously at all. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, um, you've, you've seen the crap I tweet. You think I'm actually going to, you know, you think I'm gonna be, uh, like when when someone comes to my mentions, you think I'm gonna be like and combative? I'm like no, I I I tweet a bunch of crap. Like I tweet silly memes yeah. all the time. You know, like I, I I'm not. I, I don't dare think that I'm gonna send out a tweet or a meme about how crappy the bullpen was one day. And then the next day, the bullpen pitches well. And then somebody's like, oh, dur, 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 dur. what about the bullpen? You said they suck. You know, I'm like, I don't I don't have to engage with that person. I'm like, yeah, I tweeted what I tweeted. Because exactly. the, night, the night I tweeted it, they gave up four runs. You know, neat. They held the they held the save one day. Um, yeah. You know, so I, I, that, that's improved my personal experience is being able to control who I respond to and know that the need to respond to someone is not necessarily there sometimes. Um, exactly. Exactly. Well, Jeff, we we talked about some neat history uh, here in this opening segment. Gosh, we're going on almost 45 minutes for an opening segment. That's pretty awesome. So uh, some good beach history and some good Twitter history. What do you what do you say we talk about this week in baseball history? Let's do it. All right. We're going to jump into this week in baseball history. As always, you can find these facts at nationalpastime.com. And the week we're going to be looking at is July 28th through or June 28th, rather, through July 4th. 
Our first fact comes to us from June 28, 2001. After 20 seasons in San Diego, Padre outfielder Tony Gwynn announces that he will retire at the end of the season. The future Hall of Famer has the highest lifetime batting average among all active players at the time. Jeff, you got to see uh, arguably the majority of Tony Gwynn's career, right? I did. What uh, what what were your thoughts on, on Tony at the time? Like, obviously now in hindsight, he's revered as one of the best hitters we've ever seen, and you know, especially toward the later part of his career, he had the sit down interview with Ted Williams, and you know, it was kind of known that he's the best pure hitter in the game to that point, but. You know, what do you remember about like early, you know, late 80s, early 90s, Tony Gwynn, when he's really starting to make a name for himself? What, what, what were your thoughts on the guy at the time? Well, you know, when you're younger and you just watch baseball and you're not into stats and, you know, you're not flooded with information about them, you you, you don't necessarily know that they're great in the moment um, right. as a kid. You know, I, I kind of put Gwynn in that same category with Greg Maddox. Like, you know, you're 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 watching and them. You know, they're doing something that other players aren't doing, but you don't respect it until you're older. And you're like, Holy crap. Like nobody else was doing that. Um, right. You know, I mean, I mean, Gwen specifically, he struck out his, his strikeout numbers career wise are what some guys do in a season. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's unreal. And, and I mean, I think that there's, I, I'm not a stat head, so I don't know for fact, but I've, I've heard it uh, from other people that there, there's something out there that he, his record against Glavin, Smoltz, and Maddox was like something stupid. I mean, like he had like three strikeouts or something, like something just ridiculous. I, I, I'm I'm making that number up, but it's something like that. You know, right. He, 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 well, he, well, Maddox uh, had that really good quote about Tony Gwynn where, you know, he talked about, you know, striking guys out or getting guys out and his process and that. But then he follows it up with except for that effing Tony Gwynn. Like, yeah. you know. And this that's respectful. Just, that's a respectful comment. Like, you know, yeah, exactly. Like they knew that this was the one guy that had each of their numbers during that era. Yeah. And, and again, like watching him as a kid, like you don't realize that him getting hits at every at bat is, is a normal thing. You know, you just see it and you're like, oh, yeah, there's a Tony Gwynn hit. And, and then you get older and you look back and you're like, man, he, he was something special. Like he, he was he was he he's a hit. He's the purest hitter, you know. Um, yeah, he, he was amazing. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Our next fact comes to us from June 30th, 1998. With an eighth inning homer against the Diamondbacks, Cubs slugger Sammy Sosa extends his major league record for home runs in a month, hitting his 20th round tripper in June. At the start of July, the Chicago outfitter season total is 31, four less than Mark McGuire, who also homered on this day. 20 home runs in a month is still the record. 23 years later. Yeah, that that doesn't even sound like a legit thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think they played maybe, what, uh, 25, 26 games across a a span of a month? You know, maybe, you know, 27, 28. The man hit 20 home runs in 30 days. When was it, 98? 98, that was the summer. Okay, so I was... I was 21, so all of you can laugh at the age. Um, <laughs> you were, you were what? You were still probably maybe out of diapers by then. Uh, yeah, I was, I was four going on five at the time. But, but I will say that I do have memories of that season because my dad thought that Mark McGuire was the coolest thing ever. Like I can, I can specifically remember him like. Any Sports Illustrated or whatever that he could find with McGuire on the cover, my dad was picking up and bringing home. Because I think for him at the time, he was in his early 30s, 
he knew he realized what was going on. You know, he realized that something big was happening that summer. Absolutely. And, and kind of what we were talking about a minute ago, like in the moment, you don't necessarily think as a 21 year old, like, oh, these guys are on steroids or these guys are taking performance performance enhancing drugs. You just think, man, these guys are mashing home runs and they're yeah. they're they're matching each other home run for home run. Like if McGuire did something, Sosa did it. And the media, you know, like I, I know my I had an apartment at the time and me and my roommate, uh, we played ball growing up together. So we were huge baseball fans at the time. We would rush home to make sure we watched the Cardinals or Cubs games because they were always on television because of that race. Right. And um, it was one of those things like where you didn't you didn't make plans to go to something else because you want to get home to watch the Cardinals games or and especially when they played each other when the Cards and Cubs were it was it was so spectacular that they were in the same division because you knew right. they were going to play a lot um, and ESPN would pick those games up all the time and uh, you just you, you when you get older you kind of like man that sucks that they that they had the the steroid era but in the moment you're like man this is special this is fantastic it's fun to watch it's entertaining um but to hit 20 home runs regardless of what you think about the steroid era like that's phenomenal man like that's that's awesome like 20 home runs like that's that's and and, and i was i was gonna say too that you know despite despite what we know now uh, about that time frame in baseball I don't know if we'll ever see the sport be as big as it was for that one single season. Yeah, you know, there was, a, like, there was a lot of eyeballs on baseball at that time. Yeah, and, and so you know, so you can say what you want about the whole the whole steroid thing and the blemish on what that year actually meant, but it can't be argued that that might be the biggest season you know as a, as a country that we've seen for the sport of baseball. At least yeah, you, you know you were only four years removed from the strike, so you were still you know trying to recoup some of the, the fans that you lost you're still trying to entertain other fans that from other sports that you may not have had and right and, uh, you know i i guarantee you that there were people that were not baseball fans that knew how many home runs mcguire and sosa had each night because it was it was just one of those things like it was it, it elevated to the point where you knew that something was going on and there was this race and that they were just back and forth and one would do it. And then one would hit two and then one would hit two more and one would hit three. And there were, there were people that weren't baseball fans at the time that may have become baseball fans because of that uh, home run race. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Our next fact comes to us uh, 35 years ago this week uh, on July 2nd, 1986. The Blue Jays score three runs in the eighth inning to beat the Red Sox and Roger Clemens four to two. The loss prevents the Rocket from getting a record-tying 15th consecutive winning decision. Jeff, so going back to kind of the Tony Gwynn question, how good what just was Roger Clemens? He was good, man. He was uh, he was one of the guys you you when when he came on like you knew that that uh. When, when it was his turn to pitch, like standing in that box, you knew those guys were like, crap, this is Rocket Roger Clemens, you know, and no matter right. what team, what team he pitched for, what league he pitched for, uh, he was, he was, uh, you know, again, it's like we have to asterisk it with a, a, a steroid thing, but like just regardless of that, he, he could pitch and, and he was a, he was a menace. Like, you know, he, he, right. he was a force to be reckoned with. And I don't think that hitters, probably stood in the box very confident when they had to face him. You know, of all the of all the steroid guys who have the blemish, you know, on, on their records because of getting caught and everything, Clemens might be the one that I'm 
I, I'm, I'm more upset by than I think anyone else. Um, you know, you say what you want about A-Rod. You know, A-Rod was a generational talent who technically probably didn't need the things that he did. But, you know, for Clemens, I feel like as time moves on, he's going to end up getting left out of those conversations, especially in the next 15, you know, 10, 15 years when we start talking about, you know, guys like DeGrom and Scherzer once they've retired. And, you know, we look at King Felix's short career. I feel like Clemens is going to end up being one of those guys that's going to start getting left off just because of the whole steroids thing. But you're talking about a guy who was a premier talent on the mound, like arguably one of the more dominant, aggressive pitchers we've seen in the modern era who, you know, unfortunately put a put a black mark on his career. Yeah. And for me personally, the older I get and the further away from the incident, I think I get as a fan the more accepting I am of that era. Um, right. I, I, I'm not one of these. I, and I used to be, I used to be like, Oh, they cheated the game. They don't deserve it. And uh, the more I think about it and the older I get and the kind of the, the more my mindset changes, it's like, it's the hall of fame. It is not the hall of character. It's not the hall of ethics. Integrity. Right. Integrity. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at some of the guys like Ty Cobb, they're in there and you're like, these right. guys were not great humans. They were just great baseball players. Right. And, um, and I think if you lead with that thought process, you you can make an argument for Bonds. You can make an argument for Clemens. You can make an argument for Pete Rose. These guys that did things that what you said, quote unquote, black mark, like they, they still were phenomenal baseball players. Barry Bonds did enough with the Pirates that he should be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, when it comes down to it, Barry Bonds is one of the most feared hitters we have ever seen in our life in our lifetime yeah. you know name another guy who got intentionally walked with the bases loaded just so they wouldn't have to pitch to him yeah and and, that, and that's the thing is like i'm not saying that this is how everyone should think that's how i think right is that there was a moment where i was like these guys cheated they don't deserve to be in and and you know you, you look at it under different lens and now nah, they were they were good baseball players man there you know there's guys in that hall of fame that are probably far worse human beings than what those guys that we just talked about did um and clemens is among them. i don't know if clemens will be forgotten necessarily i think that the the attachment of the steroid era may be his saving grace and always making him relevant in that conversation because yeah they're they're going to always go back to that and like oh well you know why is it clemens well because of this so i think he's always going to be in that conversation um and until he gets in and, and hopefully i think he will eventually um but it's, I don't think he'll be forgotten. I think that he'll he'll be talked about a lot less, obviously, as these guys like Scherzer and the guys you mentioned, Degrom and those guys, you know, in their careers and become eligible for the Hall of Fame. Um, but I, I think that I think that there has to be a spot for those guys, and I don't think that they necessarily have to be inducted under a black cloud. But um, yeah, he regardless of all that, he was he was tough to deal with as a pitcher, and he was one of those guys that. When he went into the the pitching motion, you're like, holy crap, this is Roger Clemens. You know, yeah, he's he's just he's just a good pitcher, man. And he and he's one of those guys too that like I I think you could say the same about Scherzer now as we're seeing Scherzer in the later stage of his career, is got more aggressive with with age, 
but is like so fun to watch. I mean, oh, yeah. just that yeah. that bulldog come to the plate mentality of I'm going to just mow you down. You know, I'm in my late 30s at this point, but I do not care how good you are. I am better, you know, and I you don't see that from every pitcher. Um, that's why you can name those guys so quickly. But I think that was cool. For, you know, Rod, the later stages of Rogers career was what I got to see live. You know, his run with the Yankees in like the. 2000 2001 world series mm-hmm. um you know and that brief little comeback he had around 0304 you know that's what i got to see but i got to see this this veteran guy who just demolished people and it was awesome yeah and i don't i don't I mean, when you speak of guys like scherzer and and clemens i think they're kind of cut from the same cloth as i and i'm just spitballing here but i don't think there's a lot of batters that, that stand in that they get intimidated by i feel like that they have the mentality of I don't care who you are. I'm going to blow up by you. Um, right. And I think that probably has helped build that foundation of why they're so good is they don't, they don't get rattled. Like they, they're going to go and, and throw you their stuff and then good luck trying to hit it kind of thing. Um, right. I, I don't think there's a lot of those guys anymore that are out there that can, can literally stare you down and say, I'm going to put it past you, man. Good luck trying to hit this. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and then Trevor Bauer, I think has some of that cloth, love him or hate him or, or sometimes love him and sometimes hate him because I'm, I'm I'm that kind of way. Sometimes I'm like, God, this guy's annoying. And other times I'm like, man, this guy's great. But, yeah, um, yeah. I, I think Bauer's cut, kind of cut from that same cloth. He may not have the same stuff. He may not have the same result as those guys, but I, I feel like his mentality and his thought process behind pitching is kind of from that same cloth. Right. All right, so our final fact, uh, this is one that uh, I think I went over last year, but of course with July 4th coming up, I'll I'll try to always go over it just because of what it means uh, to the game of baseball and just how big of a moment it was. Our final fact comes to us from July 4th, 1939. During Lou Gehrig Appreciation Day at at Yankee Stadium, the Iron Horse's uniform number four will be the first ever to be retired. After the sellout crowd is informed the man of the hour is too moved to speak, Gehrig changes his mind when skipper Joe McCarthy encourages him and delivers baseball history's keynote address describing himself as the luckiest man on the face of the earth. This cool stuff. Just one of the one of the cooler moments, not only in American history, but, you know, of course, in baseball history as well. And for the record, I was not around for that one. You know, I was going to ask, but I decided to go the high road. But I see that you you knew where I was thinking. You you, you I, knew my thought process on this. I, I felt that it was coming, so I wanted to go ahead and cut it off you know, at the pass. But yeah, I was I was I came around a few few years later. I was not around for that. But uh, but yeah, man, that um that speech is one of the most iconic ones in in baseball, I think. And uh, if if you if if you have any knowledge of baseball, you know the speech and you know the moment you know surrounding that speech. Absolutely. Well, that, of course, that occurred on the on the 4th of July. But uh, hey, Jeff, uh, I got any plans for this year's 4th, which will be a week from today. So uh, before I I guess either before or after we record our next episode, what what do you have planned? Uh, Yeah, we do have plans. Our uh, my in-laws live in Athens and they have a uh, fairly nice uh, home out there with a very large pool. And so uh, me and my wife and son are going to go spend the entire weekend out there. Uh, I'm off on Monday. So uh, we'll have a long weekend of swimming and grilling out and just kind of enjoying family time and uh, getting to spend it with uh, with folks. Very cool. Very cool. What what about you? Uh, yeah, we, we've got we got plans to uh, kind of hang out by the pool, hang out with some family, maybe go see some fireworks, you know, typical 
Fourth of July kind of stuff. But you know what goes really well on, on the Fourth of July is hanging out by the grill. And this summer, Kansas City Steak Company wants to make this your best grilling season ever. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com and get 15% off your order and free shipping with code SD at checkout. That's SD for sports drink. Enjoy their butter tender filet mignon, hearty Kansas steak strip, hearty Kansas City straight steak strips. Easy for me to say. Good Lord. And savory ribeyes. It's been a hard year. So enjoy being together again by bringing the steakhouse to your house with Kansas City Steaks. Again, go to KansasCitySteaks.com. Get 15% off of your order and free shipping with code SD at checkout. That's KansasCitySteaks.com. Code SD. Well, hey, Jeff, uh, it's been a bit of an up and down week, but as we sit here on Sunday afternoon, the Braves currently have a four to nothing lead. But let's take a look back at this week in the Braves lineup. How do you feel about that? Uh, if we have to. All right. <laughs> All right. We're going to dive into this week for your Atlanta Braves. Um, It was another week for the Braves. And yeah, it was. Eh. And that's been this segment on catching up with the Braves. <laughs> Okay, so uh, when we last recorded last week, the uh, I think I believe the last game that we uh, were able to talk about was the Friday night nine to one victory over St. Louis. Of course, Saturday night got rained out, um, uh, so a lot of inclement weather, and that got shifted to a doubleheader on Sunday on Father's Day. So once again, Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Happy to be recording with my dad uh, here this afternoon, which is which is great. Uh, thanks, Jeff, mm-hmm. for coming on. Yeah, spending the day with me since I didn't get to see you last week. It, it, it's great to hang out with you today. Yeah, and your gift to me was getting to talk about ten baseball games. Yeah, you can thank Alex for that one for choosing when he took his vacation. Yeah, because you know, when, we well last week when y'all were on the episode last week, y'all were talking about ten games, and and I'm like I'm listening to it and audibly saying to myself at my desk, I'm like I'm not watching ten games. There's no way I'm going to watch ten games. So so. Well, that's going, all right, because I didn't watch 10 games either. Yeah, going forward, I'm not going to have a lot of analysis <laughs> on 10 baseball games. Well, we're just going to kind of kind of briefly touch on uh, what all what all occurred over the past week. Uh, again, a doubleheader on Father's Day against the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Braves dropped the first game 9-1. to one. Uh, It almost looked like we were going to get uh, get no hit by Adam Wainwright for a good minute there. But, uh, fortunately, Braves able to play one run on a couple of base hits. Uh, but then... In the nightcap on Father's Day night, I did get to watch this game. The Braves win one to nothing off the uh, solo blast from Ronald Acuna. Another seven-inning nail-biter, but somehow we come away with it one to nothing. Bullpen shuts it down. Drew Smiley allows only one base hit uh, in, in his in his performance. So another good outing for Smiley. Uh, look out! I think he's starting to figure it out. But so Braves take three out of four from St. Louis. From there, we move on to another doubleheader. So back-to-back days with doubleheaders, this time in Flushing, New York, uh, underneath the bright lights of LaGuardia Airport. Um, As you all know and love the airplane sounds when we play the Mets. Uh, In game one, we got to face Jacob deGrom, who was doing Jacob deGrom things. Um, (laughs) Once again, nearly getting no hit by the guy. I think we only got a couple of base hits off of him. Definitely didn't get a run. Uh, Braves drop game one, nine to one. And then in the nightcap on another Ronald Acuna solo shot in seven innings, we win one to nothing. So there we go. We take uh, 
We split the doubleheader with the Mets the following day. Charlie Morton on the mound once again has an incredible start for the Braves. He's starting to click now. Braves win three to nothing uh, to now have a 2-1 advantage in the four-game set. And then on to game four on Wednesday night. Unfortunately, the uh, the Braves dropped the game seven to three. Kyle Wright on the mound for the Braves after Max Freed was scratched from that game due to a blister, but it looks like he's going to be ready to go for this week, hopefully. On from there, we move on to another four-game set. So we go from back-to-back doubleheaders uh, into back-to-back four-game series, this time in Cincinnati at the Great American Small Park. Uh, game one on Thursday night, Braves dropped 5-3. to three. Didn't see any of this game. Can't offer any analysis. Jeff, what about you? Uh, which game was that, Friday? Uh, Thursday. 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 Uh, nope, had dinner with some friends. Um, I think we may have caught the last inning of that, and I honestly don't even remember it. Uh, had a couple of beers. Right. Had a couple beers at dinner with friends, so that maybe why I don't remember most of it. But uh, <laughs> all those games kind of ran You were having together. a better time than the Braves were, for sure. Yeah, well, the, I didn't watch any of the doubleheader uh, against the, um, the Cardinals because that was – Sunday and that was a uh, I'm a golf fan obviously and so I was watching the U.S. Open final round so I didn't watch any of that um, I think I may have picked up a couple of the the games um, my friend Cassidy texts me and she's like over under do we get five hits against Degrom and uh, I was like no take the under like you're always gonna t- like who, take, take who, the under yep who would who would expect to get five hits against Degrom <laughs> um, I would have taken do you think DeGrom makes it past three innings? Because it seems like every inning or every game he pitches now, he has to come out because of some um, ailment, which I think is attributed to batting, not pitching. Yeah. Um, and, yeah well, and, and so, yeah, we, we didn't get a run off of him. And in fact, uh, his scoreless inning streak, I think, just got snapped yesterday. The Phillies managed to get a run off the guy, but he had like a sub one ERA for the since the beginning of the season, which is just unreal yeah. i mean we're seeing a historic season from this guy he uh he is knocking in more runs than he's allowing that's ridiculous yeah. that's amazing yeah he's, well, DeGrom, you know, DeGrom is my favorite non-brave I, i've i've said that for years i love him i wish we could have gotten him when he was uh before he signed that extension with the mets um i i don't know i just i i really love jacob Degrom. he he's he makes the game fun he's awesome uh you know some of the banter he and freddie has back and forth when they're playing uh, it, it just adds to it, but yeah, I love Degrom. I hate facing him, but I, I love watching. Yeah, him. right, right, yeah. It, you know, it, we were talking about earlier that sometimes you, you, in the moment, you don't realize how good someone truly is. But I think this season, I think everybody's locked in on how good Degrom is actually is this year. That you know, as on this pace that he's on, he is putting up a record season for a starting pitcher. Yeah. Um, so he, yeah, he's, he's been a blast to watch this season. So coming off the, uh, five to three loss on Thursday night, the Braves were able to rebound on another strong Drew Smiley start. Uh, three to two is your final score on Friday evening. We go into Saturday, having split the first two games against Cincinnati, uh, Ian Anderson on the mound for game three, unfortunately a bit of a shaky outing matched with a very good outing by Castillo for the Reds, uh, shutting Atlanta down until like the last couple of innings. Uh, four to one is your final score in game three. Reds take that one and have a two to one lead in the four game series. Uh, but as we sit right now, it is Sunday afternoon. It is about 4.08 PM. Uh, 
It is the bottom of the eighth, and the Braves currently have a four to nothing lead over Cincinnati. So hopefully, if that holds true, then uh, we will have split a four-game series with the Reds and split a four-game series with the Mets, and uh, still sitting below 500. <laughs> yeah, I, in that game the other day with Castillo, like he's not been pitching well, and then all of a sudden the Braves come up against him, and he looks like Cy Young. Like, where did that come right. from? You know, it's like if you want to boost your ERA, or lowered, I should say, pitch against the Braves, like easily, pitch against the Braves. Like, these guys have, it's like they're a rehab assignment almost when you pitch against the Braves. It's terrible. Um, yeah, or or if you have somebody come up to the plate and is like, oh, he's in a 0 for 19 drought at the plate, and like, sure enough, he's going to get a base hit against yeah, Atlanta. Shit. Chip Carey does that all the time. You know, he'll be like, Joey Votto hasn't hit in three years, and then he'll come up and hit a grand slam. I'm like, dude, come on. Jeff. No, no, uh, oh, no. Wait, Jeff. hang on. Hold on. No, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, so for those listening at home, <laughs> right as Jeff insinuated that Joey Votto would get a big base hit, Joey Votto put one out to the warning track that Ender had to run down. You kind of scared me there, buddy. Well, and, and to be Completely honest. I said Joey Votto because I was sitting there watching him bat. Um, <laughs> he almost had that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which brings me to a point that, you know, you said it earlier that the, the Great American Small Park, it's, it's been called the bandbox because, you know, it plays as a small ballpark. And this series, for some reason, it's played like the polo grounds, man. I mean, it's like yeah. I've never recalled seeing more hits that were deeper in the ballpark that I thought that they, they had a shot. And then they die, you know, three or four feet from the warning track. And I'm like, I, there was, there's been several just, just shots. And I'm like, oh, in any other ballpark, that's gone, and, and it's not and in this ballpark. So it's been a strange series. I thought that there would have been a lot more home runs than there have been. And um, yeah, I, I, looking at the series weird. coming in, I, I surely thought that like this was, this was going to end up being the series that like Atlanta's offense really kind of busted out and had yeah. a big had a big series and you know I'll, I'll take a series split but it's definitely hasn't been the offensive you know power that I thought we were going to see yeah um so I guess one piece of Braves news that we do have to bring up and unfortunately it came yesterday on Saturday uh, right before the Braves got started uh Mike Soroka unfortunately has uh retorn his Achilles and will go into season ending surgery um, the, the bad news about this, I suppose, I don't think anybody was really expecting to necessarily see him at any point this season, especially after the setback a few weeks ago. I know there was the rumor that supposedly he could be available by August or, or could try to go out there some, but I believe it might have been Jeff Passan who, who released a, a study that he was reading up on that unfortunately for professional athletes, Tearing your Achilles the second time typically does not bode well for that athlete returning. Um, I'm starting to get the the sincere bad feeling about about Soroka and, and his future at the major league level. Unfortunately, yeah. At this point, I'm. I think my focus has shifted on just his health as a person. Like that's right. That yeah. absolutely sucks. I mean to. to 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 tear it in the first place and then the sutures be rejected and then to just simply be walking to the clubhouse at the park and it pop again um take the sports aspect of it out that just sucks for a person i'm going to have to deal with that and, and have from, this from a mental standpoint i mean what does that what does that do to somebody you know 
Well, and if you bring sports back into it, then yeah, that sucks for him because that's his profession. And now he's looking at the possibility of, at the very least, being delayed another year and a half, at the very best, being able to pitch again. Um, right. And and I don't recall if it's his plant foot or his push foot. I, I really don't remember. But I mean, like, this is just a, it's a it's a huge setback. And take being a fan out of it, like that. Our 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 play into it doesn't even matter. Like for him personally, that just it's it's a bigger mountain to climb now. And, right. and the fact that he he if if he wants to pitch again, may have to adjust his pitching style or adjust his his um, delivery or something like that. Like he. Either way, is not going to be the same Mike Soroka that we know, and I think that sucks. Yeah, yeah. You know, if if it ends up the way that I, I'm afraid it's going to for him professionally, you know, I, I think he'll end up being one of those bigger what-if kind of guys. Because, I mean, we're talking about a guy that we heard about, you know, from the time that he was in single A. That, you know, we heard that this kid from Canada, Mike Soroka, is phenomenal. He, you know, he finesses the strike zone. He, you know, he's a ground ball pitcher. You're going to love to watch this guy play. And then for a couple of brief seasons, we got to see it. You know, mm-hmm. people were already calling him Mike Siroka. That, you know, that was high, how highly thought of he was, that this guy has a chance to be one of those premier level pitchers. And a freak injury, man, just, you know you can't I don't know if you can be mad about the injury or not it's one of those just freak things that's not necessarily anybody's fault or you know due to anything other than just being a freak accident Um, yeah I think it's I I think if you're going to sum it up in any aspect it's going to be like we all thought that's typical for Braves you know you have the ability to have this great pitcher and something happens and it's while we can't have nice things kind of mentality. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, at this point with all the other injuries that we've occurred this year and granted that happened last year, but the re, the re uh, the occurring injury, I guess this year, it's just par for the course, man. That's how the season's gone. I think it just feels like if you are, if you believe in curses, then, then you believe this wholeheartedly because it just, this right. year we cannot escape it. And I, I think this is just kind of fuel in the fire. And, um, I don't know what to say. I just at this point, like I said earlier, I just hope he, he can come back from it as a person, and then secondarily right. come back from a pitcher. Yeah, this is definitely one of the more snake bit seasons I, I think I've ever seen. And I think I think snake bit might be the more appropriate word because it's just it feels like at every turn, if it could go wrong, it has. Um, but you know, Braves aside, I think. I think every every team has seasons like this where it's just like, man, I don't know if anything is actually going to go right at any point. Um, I, I don't know. It, it's it's unfortunate, but I really do hope for the best for the guy. Um, you know, just like you said, on a on a personal level, you hope for him to have have the best future for him that he can have moving forward. Um, so, you know, I, thoughts out to Mike Soroka, hopefully come around, you know, and, and get some, something positive out of this at, at least. But, uh, but looking ahead, uh, so we're still on the top of the ninth game's not over yet uh, against the Reds, but looking ahead to the rest of this week, uh, the Braves have a six game slate day off on Monday, but then we head back home to Atlanta and welcome the New York Mets to town for another series against them. 
Tuesday night at 7.20 start time, Charlie Morton takes the mound against Meagle? What's his name? There's a lot of guys I, I like. I've I've paid less attention this year than any other year, so you could you could make up a name. I'm like, oh okay. Yeah. Tyler Meagle. Uh, they have him listed as a relief pitcher, so apparently it's going to be a bullpen game for the Mets. Uh, then coming into Wednesday, June 30th, against the Mets, another 7:20 start time. I believe Freed is penciled in for that game, but they don't have him definitively listed as a starter. Uh, so we'll we'll keep an eye on that. But it appears that Taiwan Walker will be the starter for the Mets. Then on to Thursday, uh, final game in the three-game set against New York, another 7:20 start time. Drew Smiley looks to continue his production on the mound for Atlanta against Jacob DeGrom. So we get to see DeGrom once again uh, over the course of 10 days. We get to see him twice. So uh, should be a fun game on Thursday night. On to Friday, uh, where we start a three-game series against Miami. Ian Anderson will be on the mound against Thompson. Then on Saturday, a 4-10 start. Uh, no, uh, no announced starter for Atlanta yet against Alcantara. And then on Sunday, July 4th, a 4th of July day game at 1:20, Charlie Morton goes up against the uh, Miami starting pitcher Trevor Rogers. Uh, Trevor Rogers with a 2.08 ERA. Uh, so far this season, that's sixth best in the National League. So could be a fun contest on the fourth, but another uh, another good week of baseball coming up against some division rivals. Yeah, the Marlins used to be the team that you look forward to on the schedule because you're like, OK, there's some wins. Uh, not the case this year. I think the last time we played them, they took three out of four from us. And yeah. um, it, it just shows you the, the, the way the year's gone. It's like now I look at it and I'm like, ugh. The Marlins, like we we got to battle the Marlins now. Like some guy named Rogers, let's do it. You know, um, I just I at this point my expectations have been tempered from what I thought at the beginning of the season. And granted, that's due to injuries, uh, loss of players due to stupidity, um, right? You know, other things. So I I I look at a, a series like the Mets and the Marlins coming up, where I would used to go, uh, okay, I, I think we can take four out of five or five out of six or however many, you know, whatever the numbers are to now I look, well, maybe we can split or hopefully we can split or right. let, let, let's just not try to get too far back in the division, those kind of things. So, um, you know, it, it, I, I hate the term. It is what it is. I, I can't stand that term because it doesn't really actually say anything, but I feel like that's the only way I can describe the season is like, we kind of have what we have right now. And, right. um, it, if we do well with it, great. If we don't, I'm not that disappointed any more so than I would be. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like I still get frustrated when we have a, a game like this where it's 4-0 and somehow we let them come back. Those are the games that still piss me off. But if we go out there and lose 4-1 to and we've been losing 4-1 to throughout the whole game, yeah, I'm like, okay, it's not going to it's not going right. to tonight. I'm okay with it. Um, Knowing that the caveat, like you said, is we have some players that are out. We have some players that are hurt. We have some players that aren't performing. Um, there's just it, it, this season is going far different than I anticipated. Yeah, I I would definitely say that you know the first couple of weeks of the season where we were like you know hovering below 500, you know, like we still are now. I think it was easy to say at that time, like, oh, well, you know, a slow first couple of weeks, they'll find it and they'll rebound. And then it became, well, they'll find it in May. And then it became, oh, well, you know, June 1st, that's usually when they turn it on. But I think now 
sitting in late June, you know, about to head into July later this week, I think we're at the point where, you know, at least for me, my, my expectations have been tempered with this team for sure. Uh, like you said that, you know, Hey, if we can take two out of three, awesome. If we can split a four game set, awesome. Um, you know, I, I think in the back of my mind, I'm still kind of thinking, well, you know, get some healthy guys back in, in August, still try to tread water like we're doing and hope that the Mets don't take off throughout the month of July that, you know, maybe when August comes around that, you know, maybe they'll hit a run where they'll take, you know, gosh, I would love to see them take 10 out of 12 or something like that at some point, mm-hmm. but we haven't seen that run yet. And we haven't seen, you know, other than maybe Ronnie going on that tear of like, oh gosh, he's hitting 19 games straight. He's just on fire right now. And, you know, we've still had solid performances from some guys, but just not the tears that we're used to seeing them go on. But I think at, at the end of the day, I'm at the point at this season where I'm just happy that they're playing baseball because a year ago we still didn't have baseball at this point. I'm happy to see fans in the stands. I'm happy to see that, you know, just getting back to normal in a sense. So it, it feels more normal than it did last year, certainly. Uh, for sure. So I think, you know, I think when you look at it from that standpoint of like, hey, every night, you know, no matter how they're doing, I know that at 720 the Braves are going to be playing. And, you know, if every once in a while you get that cool game where, you know, Austin Riley hits two home runs and, and Ronnie makes a diving catch in right field, you know, where we can come come away and say, well, that was cool. You know, baseball's still great. It, it's still fun. And I think that's all that's I think that's still why we all still hold on to it, you know, at this point, despite how this year's going. Well, I think, you know, what, what you were saying earlier about, OK, well, it's the first week of the season or it's the first month of the season. Like, you know, the whole division was absolute crap and they were all hovering and, and trading places and it was two games back or a game and a half or nobody wanted to take hold of the division it's a little different now the Mets are uh I, I think we're six games back from them now and yeah. I feel like we're we're not playing at a level where we're going to make big gains on them um hopefully you know <laughs> hopefully this coming series with them we, we can but um it was easy to say, well, that was just a crappy loss, but at least the Mets lost, or at least the Phillies lost, or at least the Nats lost. Well, right. now it's now it's man, we you know we we didn't we didn't win the series against the the Mets, or hey, the Mets are coming to town, you know we may be further back in the division now. So I, I, I don't know if we're going to be buyers or sellers at the, at the deadline. I don't know and don't have a whole lot of confidence in them doing anything really. Right. Um, you know, you still have the the Freddie Freeman extension looming out there. Uh, no matter what your opinion on that is, is that's still, I, I don't care what anybody says to me, that's a distraction. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's a distraction for other players, but I think it has to be for him. I don't think that he can sit there and say in, a, in an interview that, yeah, we'll deal with that when the time comes and not think about it. I mean, he, he doesn't right. know where he's playing next year. That's a distraction. Um, right. There's just, there's, there's something going on this year with this team that they don't seem to have it. And, and I don't, I don't know if that's performance. I don't know if there's something behind the scenes. I don't know if it's front office, if it's coaching, if it's all all those things kind of culminating together. But um, it, it definitely does not feel like the team that was there last year. And um, it, it's it's frustrating. But, again, it's if you're able to kind of disconnect and just get back to, like, what you were saying, hey, it's baseball. It's, there's a game on. Let's watch it. You know, you don't live and die with every single pitch that happens. Then it's still somewhat right. enjoyable. Um, if you're just thankful for baseball being back with fans in the stands, but, uh, well, and, and I think, I think that goes back to, I, I think that's 
partially a reason that I'm I'm not on Twitter a, as much anymore. And I think that's kind of what we were talking about earlier that, you know, social media isn't real life that at the end of the day, if I go to work on a Tuesday after the Braves blew a game on Monday night, guess what? There is not a single person in my office that cares that the Braves lost the night before, you know, yeah. because it at the end of the day, you know, it's just a game. It's just sports. Um, so I think, you know, that, that's something that I've really gotten better about. You know, back when I was in college, man, I lived and died by every pitch of a Braves mm-hmm. game. I lived and died by every, you know, loss in Carolina basketball like it. But I think at the end of the day, you know, sometimes you just got to step away from it and say, it's not actually that big of a deal to my everyday life. If uh, if there was any positives to come out of the Falcon Super Bowl loss, it was for me personally was the fact that I realized I speak uh, I take sports way too seriously. Right. And um, that, you know, a lot of people joke about it, but that Super Bowl loss. I think broke me as a fan of sports in a good way is that right. it kind of, it kind of made me realize like, man, you're, you're way too in touch with this stuff. And and something that's happening on a field that you're not even involved with is affecting your day to day. And right. um, cause I was, I mean, I was, I was really deeply pissed off after that Falcon Super Bowl loss. And to the point where I, I didn't want to watch sports for a while. I was just, just kind of like, Ugh. and, um, and and it maybe just kind of reset my my thought process about it and go this is a game these guys aren't losing to spite me <laughs> you know, right not, right exactly exactly mentor mentor isn't going out there to give up a grand slam going ha screw jeff donahue you know like right and, and and so if you can if you can get back and just watch it as a fan and go that's yeah, baseball yeah yeah, yeah. It, then then i think there's some still a little faction of enjoyment in it um not a lot uh, right now but um there are people I think that take it way too seriously. I think there's people that uh, it's their life. And I mean, like, and I say it's their life, it's their life. Like they don't have anything else going on with the brace baseball. And that's sad because that affects them uh, more than it should, I think. But um, you watch Twitter and people literally will rage tweet every single pitch. And um, it's a bit much, I think, you know, and and it, it, it certainly, takes away the enjoyment of the sport if you're sitting there analyzing every single pitch and you know this person did that and this person couldn't do that or they should have done this and this and that or the manager did this or manager did that like just watch the freaking game and and the thing is these people that like oh i'm never watching the braves game again they watch it the next night you know right right it's like this big show this dog and pony show about their fandom and it's man just watch the game you know or don't watch the game that's your that too like i've 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 been okay not watching a braves game um, I, I tweeted yeah. the other day. I tweeted the other day, like, man, I'm perfectly fine if they don't play another game this year because of all the crap that's happened this year. That's fine. Um, right. Braves win four to nothing, by the way. Um, Will Smith coming in, non-save situation, but still, uh, still got it done. You know, <clears throat> it's funny talking about Will Smith. Alex and I have joked before, and I, I thought we were going to see it in this situation that. You know, he's been really good, actually, in save situations this year. It's in non-save situations that he has been garbage. And so I joked with Alex a few weeks ago that if he ever comes in in a 4 to nothing game, he's going to allow a leadoff homer just out of spike to make it a safe safe situation. Yeah. And then he's strike like, hey, out I'm going to make it a save. <laughs> yeah, he'll make he's, it a save if he has to. <laughs> he's padding those stats for arbitration. That's right. That's right. Well, yeah, I, I think I think we're we're thinking along the same lines there. You know, baseball's fun, and, and find a way to enjoy it. You know, 
don't let things out of your control impede something that you should be able to enjoy. But also, like, don't don't take it as, oh, you can't be upset after a bad game either. I think there's a there's a line there that, you know, there's a difference between being like, ah, that sucked that, you know, that that's a sucky way to lose or letting a loss in, you know, June you know, on the outside ruin your day. You know, I, I think I think there's a big difference there. Well, the thing with social media that I think is one of the biggest downfalls of, uh, uh, is that you're you're put into this box of whether when an event happens with your team or a player or your manager or your general manager that you immediately have to take a side. You have to have a response. You have yeah. to have an opinion. And a lot of folks on Twitter will see a tweet and go, oh, I immediately identify with that that thought process and then run with it and not give it any thought of their own to right. say, well, maybe maybe the manager expects a little more out of this player. So he's going to be upset when something happens that he wouldn't be upset if another player happens. Or right. maybe maybe there's been an internal conversation with a player that's happened and they're not living up to those standards set by the manager. Like th- there's there's no thought process. They just see something that's tweeted and they retweet it or they they just run. And granted, that may be their opinion. That's fine. But I feel like more times than not, this this kind of like dust cloud happens because things get tweeted and things get retweeted. And they're just like in that moment of anger, like, rah, and they tweet it. And they don't sit back and go, there could be another thought or there could be another angle or there could be another circumstance or situation. And it just creates this big storm of like crap, you know, and, and everyone wants to weigh in on it. Um and I think that takes the pleasure out of it. I think that takes, uh, I think that just makes people angry about things that they normally wouldn't have been angry about. Like, right. You know. And also, I don't think we have to hear from a manager every single game. Um, if it's oh no, post- I agree. Yeah. If it's if it's postseason, absolutely. I want to hear every single thing that went down in that manager's mind during a postseason game in a in a seven game series. But against the Marlins in June, I don't want to hear it. I don't care what Snicker has to say. He's probably not going to say anything. Of, of any substance anyway, it's going to be coach speak. Um, I, I just think we have too much information coming to us that we make these opinions on. They base all these facts off of, and it's just like, I, I don't care what Snicker has to say after a, I honestly today, I don't care what he has to say after a four nothing win over the Reds. Like there's nothing he's going to say that's going to make me have a better or worse opinion of this game. Right. Um, you know, so I, I just think there's, that people just jump on this bandwagon of they see somebody tweet something and go, oh, I identify with that in this very moment, and raw, I'm angry, and bleh. and then they have to kind of ride with it where they don't sit back and go, let me let me, let me analyze it, let me, let me look at it, and think about it, and let me let me have my own opinion on it, and that can go for a lot of things, but um, you know, we're getting a little deep on this. I like it. I like it. So uh, to round out today's show, Alex just could not leave well enough alone. He had to make his presence known on this episode. Alex yeah. is off. You have, to check in, you have to check in with the babysitter if you're out. It doesn't matter. You still check in with the babysitter. I, I know. I How's know. the kids doing? Is everything okay? Is the house on fire? <laughs> he has legitimately messaged me like twice during the record. He messaged me the other day saying, hey, when are you and Jeff recording this weekend? And then he messaged me while I go, everything okay? Like, because <laughs> this show really is his baby. This was his idea. I... You know, I was just lucky to, you know, come along for the ride. This really is 
Alex's show. So he um, let me uh, he let me borrow his podcast mic just to ensure that everything was going to be along the the normal line. So I'm 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 recording on the normal chatting average podcast mic that he uses. That's right. That's the uh, that's like the lucky socks of this show. Yes, <laughs> that, that podcast mic. It, it is now. It has. It has been on this podcast more than any of us have. It's it has been, been on, on more than Alex. Hey, this this mic has been on the podcast more than Alex. How about it? I love it. I love it. So we do have a quick voicemail from Alex that he told me I had to play on the show. So I suppose we'll do that to round out today's episode. Hello, Chatting Average Podcast, if that's even still your name at this point. Uh, this is uh, This is Alex. Um, I've hosted a lot of the shows. You may, you may remember me. Um, so I had, I had big plans to call in with, you know, my, my thoughts on, on a number of things, but at this point, it's Sunday morning that I'm calling. There's, there's only one thing Uh-oh. to be talked about, and that is the grand conspiracy that the NCAA has against North Carolina State University. And there it is. Um, Lord. They, they, they pulled them from the College World Series uh, and and completely eliminated their chance at winning a national championship. So, uh, I mean, Jeff, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Cam, um, I, I expect your response to be no fewer than 10 minutes. Have a good rest of the show, fellas. Okay. Okay, can I, can I can I, can I interrupt? I think this is is uh, is done on purpose, but I only come on this show after major controversial events. The last time I was on this show was when you were gone, and it was the uh, the week that Major League took the All Star Game out of Atlanta. Oh yeah. Now we're on the heels of this NCAA fiasco, so like I only come on here when there's these major controversial things to talk about. <laughs> Jeff brings the controversy to the show. I guess. Let it be known. Um. All right. So Jeff, uh, you want to you want to throw your opinions out there uh, for those who don't know the College World Series uh, is now the finals are currently set between Vanderbilt and Mississippi State uh, with a bit of a supposed asterisk, I suppose, as NC State uh, was eliminated from play due to COVID nineteen protocols. Um, that occurred on er, in the wee hours of Saturday morning. That news broke. But uh, Jeff, uh, what are what are your thoughts on this whole circumstance? Well, first let's preface it. If you're listening to the show for the first time, Alex and Cam are two of the biggest UNC fans that I know of. Um, I am a massive Michael Jordan fan, so I have a little soft spot for the University of North Carolina in my heart. Um, but that does not mean that I dislike NC State University. Um, and I'll be completely honest. I have not read a whole lot about the situation. I've only seen the outskirts of it. Uh, basically from what I gather is NC state had a COVID outbreak. Um, they were allowed to play uh, the first game, uh, with a, a shortened staff. And then all of a sudden they were disqualified for the second game. Um, I think it's crap. Uh, the NCAA continues to show how, just shitty of an organization they are um, on many different levels throughout many different sports, men and women's. Um, they they continue to fail as an organization. I think this is no different. Um, I understand that coming off of a pandemic, you have to have some protocols. 
I also think that you have to be able to adjust those based on where things are going and how things are improving and cases seem to be diminishing rapidly. Um, this um, Take politics out of it. Take your, uh, your opinion out of it of if COVID is serious or not. This is just stupid. They allowed a team to play on one night, but not the next. They allowed... 30 something thousand fans or maybe late 20 uh, high 20s or something into the fans or fans into the stands who don't have to go through any testing or any protocols and they're sitting you know a foot from each other but yet players who are socially distanced on a baseball field outdoors can't play and you're robbing these kids of a, a potentially once in a lifetime opportunity um i think it's dumb i, I you know the, the PGA had experiences a couple weeks ago when John Rahm uh, tested positive for COVID. He was asymptomatic, and he missed out on $1.6 million because he was leading a golf tournament by six shots. And we're not talking about a close contact sport. We're not talking about something where you're all up in other people's faces in a small space indoors. We're talking about outdoor activities. And again, no matter what your thoughts are on COVID-19, clearly we are in a better place than we were when some of these protocols were instituted. And the, the fact that they have not adjusted any of them or taken into consideration that some of them could be taken away or lessened, um, it just blows my mind. I mean, these kids were robbed at the opportunity to play for a national championship using antiquated protocols, in my opinion. Okay. So, <clears throat> I know. As the resident NC State hater, I bang that drum louder than just about anybody you'll ever meet. That is expected of me to have a diehard opinion on this. This sucks, man. Like, I, I and I and I say that honestly. Th- this entire situation truly does suck. Um, I think it just came out like earlier today or maybe even late last night that the report coming out of Omaha was that the county health officials advised the NCAA that they did not believe that any measure necessarily needed to be taken. And yet the NCAA still made the decision to pull state um, from the College World Series. Um, You know, and, and as you mentioned, with fans in the stands, you know, every single one of those players can turn around and buy a ticket for tomorrow night's game and sit up there in the stands. Uh, but we're not allowed to play. Um, I, I think I think the biggest thing of all is I hate it. I, I don't know directly how many there are or whatever, but you know, for any guys that that was how their college career ended, I do hate that for them. That stinks because for I'm I'm assuming quite a bit of them that's going to be the last time they play baseball at a major level such as that. If they, if they, you know if they're not drafted or move on to a um, to a foreign league or anything that stinks. It also stinks that NC state gets to continue to bang the narrative that they get screwed over by the NCAA, which they actually did in this case. And I will say that, but that got it. That only adds fuel to the fire. Yeah. Um, they, they, they legitimately get to play the victim's role here. I mean, this they, is, they, they do. They, the NCAA just once again, bungled this entire situation. It's just very unfortunate. Um, so that might not be the take that you were expecting out of me, but you know that's that's kind of my my opinion on it. But yeah, I I hate it. I think the NCAA once again shows just how inept of an organization they are and how cutthroat they can actually be, and uh, it's just well, it, it's unfortunate. Well, they didn't even 
I mean, and, and they didn't even take the responsibility as their own for the decision. They tried to throw Douglas County into it, and um, and their statement, Douglas said, County said, "Oh no, 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 no." Yeah, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> they said this decision was based on the recommendation of the championship medical team and Douglas County Health Department. That's what they said in the NCAA statement. Douglas County came out and said their spokesperson Phil Rooney said the health department did not recommend NC State's removal, but told the NCAA the department would support whatever decision they made. Um, those aren't the same things. No, and, they're not. You know, and they, I, I, I think that they are trying to make the Douglas County Health Department the scapegoat. But I mean, NCAA, they just they continue to show that they are just inept and they're not able to 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 provide a level playing field for people. I mean, they did this with the, I believe the women's golf. Uh, I forget which which tournament it was. It was basically the same thing under different uh, circumstances. But they said the it wasn't COVID related, but they said the course wasn't championship level. So uh, I think there were six or seven uh, NCAA women's teams that could not compete for their final tournament, which has effects on how they finish out their year. Correct. Um, and yep. and they didn't provide any other reason other than the championship course wasn't what they deemed appropriate, which is was crap. Um, those those ladies would have played on any course no matter what. You know they wanted to play out their final tournament, and I guarantee you that these NC State kids would have played with only nine if they could. You know I mean it's just right it, right. Well and and that's that's the biggest thing for me is that you've already let them play on Friday with literally thirteen available players. Yeah. You know and, like like what's different like you know did. Can they not, or can they catch it on Sunday greater than they could on Saturday, or you know, it's just it's or whatever days. But it's just, I don't know. I just I just really feel bad for those kids, and I know that that's hard for you to say because I send you, uh, I text you NC State memes and stuff just to make you mad. You do, uh, you do, yes. <laughs> so for you to for you to have a sensible, level-headed response is is is, is big. But um, I, I don't know anyone that would look at this and say, yeah, the NCAA made the right move. I, I really don't. I don't. I don't know. Who could look at that and think that that was the appropriate call? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, Jeff, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. This has been a blast. This has been a lot of fun. I've noticed that anytime on the show, it usually runs about an hour long, and I apologize because I do like to talk, and I I, I do tend to draw things out. But um, I guess I'll return after the next controversial thing comes out. Well, considering how this season is going, there is no telling when that might actually be, Jeff. Unfortunately, that's true. (laughs) I'll be on next week, I guess. There you go. Well, for Cam Matthews, this is uh, Jeff Donahue signing off for the Chatting Average podcast. We'll see you guys next week for another brand new episode. Bye. With that, we've reached the end of the show. If you want to connect with the show, you can contact us via text or voicemail at 678-242-9408 or on Twitter at Average Chatting. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash chatting average. We'll see you all next week on another brand new episode of the Chatting Average Podcast.